0: Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Need expert advice on your family's health? Speak to us today at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. I have something way, way more exciting for you now, Okay, So Simple Minds are playing in the three arena on uh, Monday, March 18th. And you will remember that in their heyday, the 80s, 90s, Simple Minds, One of the biggest bands in the world, you remember songs like Don't You Forget About Me, Alive and Kicking, Belfast Child, loads and loads of great songs. And uh, they've had their ebbs and flows down the years. But recently, something has happened, right? Kind of gradually and then suddenly, 47 years into their career, everybody has remembered again how much we love Simple Minds. Jim Kerr from Simple Minds, good morning.
1: (laughs) Good morning to
0: you. Jim, what's going on? This is your biggest tour since 1985, when you were at the pinnacle of your success, and now here you are in 2024, filling arenas again.
1: Yeah, they say there's no second X in life. Well, we're proof that
0: maybe there is. And is it nice, 47 years on, people appreciating again what a great band Simple Minds are?
1: Oh, listen, I mean, it's great to be of service. When I say of service, we're out on tour just now. We started about six weeks ago. It's a tour that'll go through most of this year and well into next year. And that's exactly what it is. It's getting on stage, doing the thing that we dreamt of doing when we were kids. When we started this band in January 1978, there was three things we wanted to do. We wanted to be in a great live band. We wanted to take it around the world and <laughs> we wanted to try and eke out a life for ourselves within that. And well, here we are all these years later, still getting, still up for the challenge of all of that and, um,
0: and enjoying every moment. And listen, Simple Minds have a, a very special relationship with Ireland, really, don't you? And the Dublin gig is the bank holiday Monday of the St. Patrick's weekend. So I feel it could be a big night
1: I'm with you there, yeah. I mean not only all my family want to come to the the Dublin gig. The wanna they always want to go to the Glasgow gigs and the Dublin gigs. And uh Ireland and Dublin is very important to me both professionally and on a personal level. I'll never forget four year old going on my first ever holiday. We went on the boat from the Clyde side to Dunleary and uh my mum had her sunglasses on and her hair, blonde hair and bouffant. And uh, Brie
0: seemed a very glamorous place to us. And indeed it is. It still is, Jim. Still is. Um, listen, it, we, it is, absolutely. We, sh- we should warn people uh, who, who maybe haven't seen you live in a while that uh, this is not the total original lineup of Simple Minds. So, as you say, not just a bunch of jolly old men, there are women in Simple Minds now.
1: <laughs> great women. <laughs> Not just women, great women. Um, and they will tell you what, um, they've brought fantastic new energy to it. I mean, there can't be many live acts who you go and see that are more than 40 years in that still got the same live lineup. But um, Charlie Burchill, my songwriting partner, myself, we met in the streets of Glasgow when we are eight years old. And um, this is very very much been our construct um, construct or a crusade sometimes I'm not sure a bit of both yeah. but um, it's great to see it still moving forward and more importantly it's great to see it still giving so many people so much pleasure
0: and so you and Charlie have been the constants there from the beginning so how, how long have you known him now
1: well <clears throat> we moved I moved from the Gorbals in Glasgow the <laughs> infamous Gorbals up to a, it was a, then, a, they were still building it, a, the south side of Glasgow, a housing estate called Tory Glen. And as we were moving in, literally, mum and dad moving in their bits of furniture, they said, get out and play. And we walked down the street and there was a group of kids playing in. well, it was like almost like a huge sandcastle, cement, all that stuff. Because as I say, they were still building the place. And Charlie was sitting atop of the castle. He was king of the castle. <laughs> And we asked if we could join in and play. And um, here we are. Um, well, in his case, both he and I, 56 years later, we're still playing together.
0: Wow. When, so when you were growing up there, then working class Glasgow and everything, did you, when you started becoming musicians, was that, was that a realistic kind of thing for you to do? Did you guys think that, you know, guys like you could be pop stars?
1: You had more chance of being an astronaut or you had equal chances. The bookies would have given you the same odds (laughs) because there was no one. It wasn't like, you know, you went along the road and someone's uncle had been on top of the pops or someone had made a record or it was all brand new territory. So it was the power of
0: dreams in action. And it still is. Yeah, yeah. and But I was watching that lovely documentary you did recently, um, I think it's on Amazon Prime. What I loved as well is though that, and maybe it's kind of, it is to do with that kind of uh, working class background. You were very pragmatic always, right? So, you know, you had a few years of making uh, kind of arty music and I know that everybody is kind of reassessing that now and it suddenly turns out that, that, that was a great period for Simple Minds. But then, you saw bands like the Human League on top of the Pops, didn't you? And you thought, that could be us.
1: Well, yes. I mean, you're right at the start. We, you know, we felt we would probably be a cult band. And all the, you know, all the, a lot of the music we had liked was Paddy Smith and Lou Reed and Iggy Pop and all that. And as great as those artists were and are, um, or are and where, um, um, you know, you weren't going to see them at the top of the pop charts. But, um, you know, bit by bit and brick by brick, we built something that uh, enabled us to get to those higher echelons as well. Um, Having three top ten singles in the Billboard charts in uh, America is no small stuff.
0: No, no, phenomenal. Uh, and then that pragmatism again, right? So so I suppose you first uh, kind of broke through with the New Gold Dream album, right? And then you started playing bigger venues. Yeah. And and I saw you again say in the documentary, you thought, okay, we're playing bigger venues now, so we need a bigger sound. And you kind of basically then invented yeah. 80s stadium rock, didn't you?
1: Well, we certainly played a part in that. I mean... You know, it's it's yeah, we were pragmatic. I mean, and we're also from time to time. You know, we're we're pretty good at coming up with a plan and um, and seeing it through. Um, of course, plans don't always work out. Some of the stuff we tried didn't work at all, but um, it worked out more than it didn't work out. And I guess that's why we're still here to tell the story all these years later.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, w- I want to play a, qu- a quick clip for people because I think they'll get it. So I think was Waterfront was a song you basically kind of, was the invention of the big sound in a way, was it? The start of Waterfront.
1: I think that's fair to say, yes, definitely. Colossal sound.
0: Yeah, like even if we take 30 seconds of it now, and this will give people a sense of, of, you'll hear it all in here. I think you hear like the origins of Coldplay, the origins of U2, the origins of it all. That's it there. Does, that still stirs my blood, no, Jim. Does it still stir your blood a bit every time you hear that intro? I'm with you because we open the set with it every night. So
1: yeah. yes, I, I feel the pulse rise.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, City Hall in Cork when you were touring that album and that that bass line just started and then it all crashed in. Um, now. You, I don't know if you'll yeah, remember this, that, but people talk about um, about Simple Minds being, oh, they were just, uh, you know, U3 was the joke at the time and everything. But I saw Bono last year when he was uh, did his book. He basically credits that it wasn't that U2 influenced Simple Minds. He credits Simple Minds as as a big influence on, on him And I think particularly possibly that song we listened to there, Waterfront. Did you play that for the first time when you played with U2 in the Phoenix Park in 83?
1: Indeed, the song wasn't even fully written. I mean, we had just kind of come up with a riff and a bit of a, I mean, it's more a chant than a a song. And we, we came up with it the day before in the rehearsal room and we thought, why don't we just start with this? Because it's a kind of rhythm that, even if you don't, don't know the song, and of course people wouldn't have known the song, because it wasn't written, never mind released, but we felt they'll get the groove and they'll get the drama. And as you quite correctly say, we played it at Phoenix Park for the very first time that day. But um, with regards to what Bono said, I mean, he's incredibly generous in saying that. I would like to think that uh, we were all inspiring each other, our yeah. generation of bands, or those of ilk. We were all inspiring each each other, and they, they, they were certainly uh, an inspirational group to us, and indeed still are.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, if we move on a bit then, uh, a lot of people, even if they don't know Simple Minds, d- Don't You Forget About Me, a kind of an iconic song. That was the following year, and I think that's what took you to the next level and conquered America. And famously... You didn't write the song. Uh, you didn't even want to record it initially. But uh, you reckon you wrote the best two bits in the song, didn't you? <laughs> well, uh, there's no
1: arguing, is there? I mean, the best bits are the intro and um, the la-la-la's at, at the end. They're the bits everyone sings. Um, I'm being a wee bit disingenuous, of course. Yeah. I'm being light, light-hearted here. but um, But I think, let's see... If the ball was going over the line into the net, I think those two bits burst the net.
0: Yeah. So did you, you? just took a notion on the day of recording for hey, 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 hey? Did you?
1: Spontaneous, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I yeah, full of energy and probably full of cheap cider as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, uh, live aid was probably the peak of that era in a way like it is the coming together of of all that generation of artists and you were there um, I saw you say you have one big regret about Live Aid didn't, don't you
1: yeah that's right I mean obviously we were thrilled when Geldof Bob Geldof called who'd always been a great champion of our band but when he called and you know asked us to get involved and he you know he laid out all the plans and you know music to our ears until he said you know, you'll do it in Philadelphia, and we thought, oh, "Hang on a minute, we we want to be in Wembley with all our pals." Um, didn't know any of the people that were playing in Philadelphia, really. Yeah. Um But of course, he was right. You know, the band had just the band had just um, sat atop the Billboard charts, and um, and it was a great chance for us to go and, you know. Go through the door into the big league over there, and it, uh, well, not only did we go through the door, it, Libya like had it smashed the door wide open for us, as I've, I've said. Um, so he he was right, but um, even now looking back, you know, if you say if you had the chance again, yeah, I yeah. would love to. have have um, been at Wembley, but um, it wasn't too bad at the end of the day Dylan was there the Beach Boys were there Led Zeppelin was there Madonna was there and more Phil greatest Collins. thing of all no Jack Nicholson introduced us on stage how did G-
0: he really yeah
1: oh how about that Amazing. I mean I we were only on stage 15 minutes we were only on stage 15 minutes and I probably spent 13 minutes thinking pleading Jack Nicholson
0: yeah that's, that's an extraordinary journey from the sandpit in, uh, in Glasgow, isn't it, to that? Um, <laughs> a, a, another kind of iconic Simple Mind song, Belfast Child, which kind of came shortly after that, was, was inspired by the Ennis in bombing. Uh, massive hit on, on this side of the Atlantic, certainly. I, I believe you only started singing Belfast Child again recently, why had you stopped singing it and why can you sing it again now?
1: There's a few reasons why we'd stopped singing it. I mean, the initial thing is we just felt the whole thing had moved on in in the best way, you know. I mean, when you look around that part of the world now compared to what the north of Ireland was like when we were growing up, it's a much happier place, a much more peaceful place. Um... But it is a beautiful melody. It was a number one song. It felt, you know, I always felt, I felt we were letting people down. After a certain point, I felt that we were thinking about it all too much. And then I suppose the real sort of um, train of thought that changed within me, I thought, okay, well, if you look at the song and you look at the subject matter of the song, geographically, things have changed but you know there's still conflict there's still wars there's still you know and all the all the horrors that go with that they're still going on throughout the world so i felt maybe you could see the song less uh geographic and more symbolic of uh you know I think you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and, that, um, that
0: that it's a more universal kind of a song in a way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Jim, and, d- um, did it did it kind of damage line, your career in America? Belfast Child, and 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 you you, you became quite p- political around that album.
1: I th- I think it did in the sense that. I think it did in the sense that, you know, America after have to, have to finally breaking through the record company, as they tend to do, they wanted more of the same, and they wanted it quick. And, you know, uh, the thing we gave them was Worlds Away. Um, but, you know, that's the way it goes. Um, um, you can only really go with the music that's well, you can go with the music that's in with you, and and when we look now, it's, uh, uh pride is not a word we use too much, but, um, you know, at a certain point, as a young man and you're trying to deal with the themes around you, the bigger themes. Mm-hmm. And at that time, between Belfast, between apartheid, um, Margaret Thatcher's, um, <laughs> take on things. Um, I was a young man and, and, a lot of that just came into the lyrics. And and, um, it was the only record we did in that vein. But um, it made an impact. And here we are all these years later. And it's probably the linchpin of the set that we're doing just now because it's a very dramatic piece. So the drama of playing it live is, um, well, every review I saw recently kind of had it down as the highlight.
0: Yeah, there's loads of texts coming in and on, on how much Simple Minds have meant to people and also like clearly you're part of moments in people's lives. Like as simple as, can I take this opportunity to thank Jim? That little piano tinkle in the middle of a live and kicking was the catalyst for me to learn piano as a, as a young teen. Uh, someone else says Forget about the big Simple Minds Their classic album Was New Gold Dream That's from Column. New Gold Dream Was the first album I bought with my own money When I was 12 actually Jim um, Someone saying About Waterfront so Someone told me That was a U2 intro I'd believe it uh, almost 40 years ago to the day Simple Minds played Leisure Land in Galway one of the very first concerts I went to I remember we were all New Romantics the band helped set that style thanks for the memories Jim uh, and listen to this Hi Brendan Electric Picnic 2015 reignited my love of Simple Minds they were mind blowing he had the crowd in the palm of his hand I didn't know then but I was pregnant on my fourth child at 42 I listened to uh, Alive and Kicking and that album a lot while in labour in the womb, and I always was telling my eight-year-old, Simple Minds are her band, wishing them lots more success. And look, loads, loads more, all kinds of, uh, of memories coming in there, Jim. Jim, can I ask you about Tormina uh, in Sicily, where you are an uh, unlikely uh, hotelier, but I feel, is Tormina a place you went to when maybe uh, you weren't sure Simple Minds was going to continue? You were maybe kind of um, kind of a bit burnt out or, or, or at the bottom of something and you went there and it kind of rejuvenated you, did it?
1: That's all true. I mean, I think the best way to think of it, by the end of, at the end of the 90s, let's, I mean, let's be honest, nothing goes up and up and up, you know, what goes up has to come down to a degree usually. And by the end of the 90s, by that time, we'd be 20 years in. Things are looking rough, you know, I mean, You know, we'd been top of the pile by that time. It was, you know, a new generation had come along. And and, um, the last thing they seemed to want was more a simple mind. So we instead, um, well, at that time as well, we had to to make room for the rest of our lives. Charlie Burchill, my partner, he was, that time he had kids later than I. And he was taking a couple of years out. And I wasn't sure what we were going to do, but I myself, I thought, I'm going to go down to Sicily. I'd been there a few times. I went to Italy as a school kid. I don't know how my mom and dad scraped together the money. But at the age of 13, I went on a school trip. And I, I tell people, after being brought up in Glasgow, as soon as I got off the plane in Italy, I thought, geez, the world is in color. <laughs> and, um, yeah. By By the end of that school trip, I know it sounds ridiculous. I was only 14, actually. I had this notion of myself coming back to live there as an old man. And I kept that notion within me. And I thought, I'm going to go to Italy. I'm going to Sicily. I'm going to spend a year there. I'm going to get the language. And who knows uh, where things will go from there. And um, a whole other life evolved. And it's been a life that has rejuvenated me, for sure. It's a life that's enriched me. And um and we even have little cares there now. We have I have great nephews and a grandson and you know, we have taken over. Sicilian Glaswegians. So yeah, the, uh, the you know, the trees have been planted. Yeah, yeah.
0: And you you're a big player on the local soccer the scene as well, the aren't you? Getting, the, the mafia's getting scared. <laughs> And and are you do you run or own or sponsor the local football team as well?
1: Well, I did for a few years. That's that's no longer the case. But that was great, great fun as well. Because going round with a team, you know, and watching them, it took me around the island. Let me, you know, really get a, a, a great sense of the place. Because I mean, people think, you know. Sicily's Sicily is almost the size of Ireland, you know. So people kind of think about it as this little place where you'd go cycling around. Um, I mean, you might, but not really. Yeah. And it's a fascinating place. I mean, obviously, historically. And also, I say to people, you will find this, compared to the Italians, I find the Sicilians very much like the Irish in the sense that, you know, they're, um, well... They're very independent, albeit um, in many ways connected to uh, the bigger landmass. And um, there's quite a good um, pool to and fro there. It's something. It's really something.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Charlie, does Charlie have a place there as well? No, do you actually have houses on the same street now in Tormina?
1: Isn't that weird? Yeah. <laughs> It's a bit weird, but it's the way it is. And, um, yeah, it's great. Charlie's my best pal. Um, um, it's unusual. It's unusual for people who start rock bands still to be pals years later. Usually it's the opposite that they can't stand each other or they stay in separate hotels or they. But Charlie and I, um, we're very different. I mean, we don't share the same territory. I'm not a musician. He's very much a musician. Um, but we're still great pals, and we still share this this thing that we've invented that, as I say to you, has become somewhat of a crusade. And um, we still, um, every night we go on stage, we still, we want to give the best of ourselves every night. Not only because the people who come to see us deserve it, but because for our own sake as well, you know, this is what we've done with our lives. And when that's at stake and you ponder it minutes before you go on stage every night, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to be given less than you can. And uh, Bertrand and I are on the same page
0: when it comes to that kind of thinking. Jim Kerr, you're a very, very lucky man. Simple Minds played the three arena on Monday the 18th of March and Belfast SSE Arena on Tuesday, March 19th. And Jim Kerr from Simple Minds, thank you so much. And I think we have to play this.